0: I'm doing good. Uh, Luis, I just want you to know right now that I was so worried about you last week that we canceled the podcast and we prayed for you in my Greek class. Oh, yeah,
1: Frank.
0: Oh, my gosh. Did you have a prayer vigil? We did. Uh, I, like, I know this guy. I talk to him on the Internet every day. Um, he could or could not be dead in the hurricane. That's literally what I said in Greek. Well, I said it in Greek class. I don't know how to speak or read Greek.
2: Hey, can you pronounce that in Greek
1: right now for us? That'd be amazing. <laughs> I feel like the Pentecostal spirit would show up and he would just speak in fake tongues. <laughs> oh,
0: boom, boom. Shots fired. Boom, boom. Shots
1: fired. You know how it rolls here in the podcast. Well, uh, as everybody in the review probably knows already, uh, I'm from Puerto Rico. Very secretive about that, you know. I barely talk about me being a Puerto Rican or Hispanic for that matter. Uh, but I have quite a bit of a scare with Hurricane Irma over here. I lost power for about three days, but first, in God's sovereignty, he deemed it fit that the hurricane would deviate, and we only suffered some minor rain. I spent the entire hurricane just on the front porch reading John Piper, waiting for something to happen. I, I don't know what you guys normally do during hurricanes, but I was just expecting some sheet metal roof to start floating across the sky. Yeah, it's more tornadoes typically. I, it's happened, it's happened. But, uh, thing is, that when I got back power, you know, uh, way to Florida, uh, and it was said that it was going to take Florida head-on as a Cat-5 hurricane, and we all know, uh, we've all seen the shocking images of Hurricane Irma in South Florida and stuff like that, but one scene I saw ca- cause my blood to boil, and it was, uh, name it, claim it, work, work faith preachers uh, from Latin American churches over there sort of decreeing and declaring that uh, Hurricane Irma would disintegrate so God's children did not have to evacuate the territory. They could just stay there and trust that that the storm would not hit their houses because they were children of God. And it sort of opened up a conversation, and I think we can talk about it, over God's in
0: Hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, and stuff like that. Uh, Graham, I, as the facilitator in the group, I'll let you talk about God's sovereignty first.
2: Yeah, sure, why not? So that, yeah, that I understand how that would make your blood boil, um, especially considering what's it. I was trying to count, and I can't remember how many it is, but there were multiple shipwrecks from storms that paul had to um that bar- like barely survived isn't that right yeah correct see he should have he needed two or more to gather so that he could speak it out of existence
1: yeah man i mean paul paul really had some problems with faith bro like paul's faith was kind of weak in, in, in that sense you know i mean paul should have you know decreed, decreed and declared that every single uh uh, pr- uh person that beat him up and that time he got beat to death you know he should have just spoken it into existence that god would eradicate all of his enemies and you have
0: none of faith i've never been in jail one of one of the th- never one of the uh, one of the things that i see uh when people talk about having faith and where it goes to yeah, you know, uh it talks about asking god and uh you shall receive but you have to have the faith to receive it one of the best interpretations i've ever seen for that is when you ask god for something you should have faith in what he tells you to do like you should have like if god tells you to do x you should have faith to do x not that not that like you can pray for a million dollars and you get a million dollars but you go god like where should i go to seminary go and you know and doors open up to go to NOBTS, you should have faith to follow God to NOBTS as opposed to uh, as opposed to having faith that you should receive it. You should have faith in what you have received. That's one of the best uh, interpretations I've heard. Uh, I think it's in James.
1: And not only that, but just faith in general that God is sovereign over nature, that God is sovereign over the affairs even of men, and that we live in the only possible reality that there are no, actually no what-ifs, but everything occurs under God's sovereign decree. But that's just the Calvinism talking. We we trust, and when we avoided this natural disaster, we you, I think you guys saw how it hit the Virgin Islands and the smaller Antilles Islands, and it just devastated there. Uh, Bermuda... Uh, different For- the Barbuda that was uh,
2: demolished basically Barbuda Barbuda, Barbuda or, yeah
1: Barbuda there you go so but race, we are actually since we stockpiled so much canned food and there's so much uh, of it with us now we are actually giving donations and the entire island has been mobilized uh, to help our neighbor, and I think that is one of the reasons why God, natural disasters at times, it's to be able to have compassion towards our neighbors that actually go through natural disaster. You see it in the U.S. Whenever a, a horrible hurricane hits uh, Louisiana or Texas, the entire nation sort of rallies around these hurt states and these people who are. Going through a horrible time in their life And I just thank the Lord that he gives us Compassion To trust his decree And to also show love and compassion to others
0: One of the um, Bible uh, Bible stories That this reminds me of Is uh, from the book of Matthew When uh, John the Baptist has been arrested He sends some of his disciples Out to he sends some of his disciples to Jesus, and he's like, "Are you the one, or will there be another one?" And Jesus says, "Have you know, have the deaf not heard? Have the blind not seen? Have uh, you know has the gospel not been preached to the poor?" And and I think about I think about this uh, in light of natural disasters. Like, do you want to believe in God? Like, do you, or or are you doubting God? Look at the response of the church, uh, big C. Look at the response of the church to what happens when natural disasters happen, and uh, you can see the love of Christ and what they're doing. Is is Jesus the one? Well, look at the response of the church, and I would say uh, overwhelmingly yes to that.
1: Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Amen, amen. So, Jr. yet another little topic for us today on the table. What is it?
0: Well, One of the things that has happened in the Baptist Review over the past couple of days is that we decided to start talking about baptism. Like, we're Baptists. It's in our name. Like This should be something that has already been settled. But a couple of questions were asked, and I want to pose them to you so we can have this conversation. The first one is... The first one is, if someone has been baptized by any other means than immersion, would you... uh, Baptize them when they came to your Baptist church. That—that's basically the question. So, if someone comes to your church and they've been sprinkled by all the any of the other denominations, would you require them to be fully immersed before they could be members of your church?
1: Graham, take that. Uh, and I'm like, I'll take that one first. Sure. Um, so, <clears throat> I think that
2: uh, that's more of a case by case basis. Thinking of if they were sprinkled as a baby, um, I would definitely encourage them to um, uh, follow uh, the example that Christ gave for us, and that we do full immersion baptism. Um, because as a baby, obviously they weren't saved yet; um,
1: they couldn't profess faith. So, being not being able to profess faith, profession of faith
2: always comes before uh, baptism in Scripture. Which is, of course, what Baptists believe. Um, I think that they should uh, get baptized there. Now, if there are folks who um, are just gung ho determined and say and really believe that, um, maybe take it on a case by case basis um, and see what their their thoughts are. Um, I would I would certainly hate to you know tell someone like R.C. Sproul that he can't join my church because sprinkled as a baby and not baptized uh, by immersion Um, like obviously he's a um, believer obviously he's not trying to join join the Baptist Church but um, just as an example there um, it just seems that we're causing division at that point more uh, than we necessarily should be Um, so it is a a more difficult topic than most would uh, like to uh, think it is Um, also think that if someone's genuinely coming to Christ for the first time, um, they're typically open to uh, that suggestion of getting baptized. Um, that's kind of that old saying. I think it was something along the lines of maybe what Charles Spurgeon said. Um, but basically, if someone's not willing to do the very first commandment Christ gives you after um, your uh, saliv- uh, after your uh, repentance, is to get baptized, then there's a good chance that you weren't ever a Christian to begin with just because you're already ignoring uh, the first commandment he gives you.
1: Yeah, I see you, Big G, and I understand uh, your opinion and what you believe, and I believe a bit differently, but I think that's uh, very much linked to my context. Uh, See, where, where I live, we are like insanely Catholic. It's sort of like Common religion, whereas Protestantism is sort of the common religion in, in the states over here. It's Catholic, it's uh, Catholicism, and I sort of did a little bit of research as to in the entire island. So the entire island, you would have to take about two hours to go from north to south, three hours to go from the uh, east to west tip, and in the entire area, there's like four. Orthodox or PCA uh, churches the other is mainline uh, uh, Presbyterian Church which is basically uh, just a traditional church at this point and every other pe- person that has been baptized as a baby as in the Catholic Church therefore our church requires people to participate in communion uh, to actually have been created works here, uh, how pa- paedo-baptistic immersion uh, uh, sorry uh, infusion or whatever they call it, people think that they were saved because of that so when you're sort of decompressing or debriefing a person from Catholicism into Protestantism, you sort of have to say look, you weren't saved because of that you are still a wretched sinner You know, you know, when you are baptized in immersion, that will I Neither will that save you. You are just, you know, professing and showing outwardly something that was already inwardly at work in you. So you have to sort of do a debriefing with them on that topic. So I just guess it's very much related to context uh, where you're at, what the people you're dealing with believe, uh, but also what you said. Uh, if RC Scroll were ever ever to walk into a Baptist church and say, I want to be a member. I would want to see that baptism. <laughs> I would Absolutely. pay, I would pay, I would pay full price for a G3 conference just to see that happen.
0: I I will agree with you that I want to see RC Sproul be baptized. Like I want to like any Presbyterian, uh, you yeah, know, famous one, Michael Horton, you know, like I'd, I'd show up to that baptism. Um, it's time for your uh, weekly is john robert a heretic watch uh, i will say this if anyone has been credo baptized baptized by by sprinkling i would i would accept that baptism in my church um largely for what baptism represents baptism represents a repentance and a t- turning to god and being a part of his kingdom now we we can are you over the mode of baptism? Do you go all the way under? Do you make sure you, the person gets completely wet or do you sprinkle it on the head? But at the end of the day, to me, the main part of baptism is the acceptance of the church by the person being baptized and the church accepting the person being baptized. And if we and there is enough ambiguity, which is very small in my opinion, I, there's enough ambiguity to say, that sprinkling is baptizing so i would accept that person pedo baptism is a little bit different for me because i am a credo baptist like i think someone has to like someone has to make a profession of faith and as soon as they make a profession of faith and they are accepted by the church through baptism then i would accept them but uh i would say credo baptists who have been sprinkled credo baptism made a profession after they were a child let them in. Don't worry about it. Ask when they've been baptized. But if it's a kid, go ahead and duck them.
1: Okay, so basically, uh, I just want to put out an alert uh, toward whoever is giving out SBC credentials. Please watch John Roberts perform a baptism because I don't want to see him just, like, grab a weed and start sprinkling someone furiously with water. Uh, <laughs> I
0: probably won't. Uh, what
1: else you know what else you could baptize them with,
0: Come on, Graham? What, what else you, like, can we baptize on? someone in?
1: Oh wow, we're just gonna do that, huh? <laughs> okay, yep. All right.
2: So to to be a proper Baptist, you know, you have to you have to take the word baptizo, and you know, you obviously get immersed. That's what it means. Well, to be a Baptist, you also have to take the word wine and make it grape juice. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about alcohol for a minute here. So, whoa, whoa. since it's that's so, been somewhat of a topic in the uh, group, uh, we're going to talk about uh, what we think of uh, drinking uh, as, uh, you know, Christians, what sh- what should we do? So again, like I said, you know, to be a proper Baptist, you have to take the word, you know, know. you get immersed from it. That's just what it means. Mm-hmm. And, and then if you uh, you take the word for wine, you it's
1: grape juice. Now, to be a proper Presbyterian, you just reverse those two. <laughs> so, so everybody does their own little exegetical in exegetical gymnastics. Exegetical yeah, absolutely. Gymnastics. See, that's where you notice that English is my second language, but...
0: Exegetical.
1: So, exegetical. 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 This topic, Jared Parks. I wonder what how Jared feels about Satan juice. I think he likes it. <laughs> I, I I mean, but but there has been a controversy coming uh, on the tail of summer over what his intention was in posting a watermelon flavored wheat beverage. By uh, rolled brown leaves on the review, and what his intention was in posting these things. So, what is what should our intention be, Yeah. Well, what is your intention? What, what, what should our intention be? The, our,
2: right. our intentions should be to enjoy things that are, you know, what we can enjoy in, in the world. So, I mean, as long as we're not. Uh, taking things for granted, taking things um, over the edge. Then uh, I'm a I'm a, I'm a Christian hedonist, as John Piper uh, used to say. As a matter of fact, I think it still says that from like when I became a Christian in like high school. Uh, <laughs> I think my profile still says that I'm a Christian hedonist. Um, I should probably go change that now. It probably looks really bad. <laughs>
1: to understand. So, JR, you are a resident Baptist seminarian, so what's your
0: opinion on this? Um, one, of, one of the things that I, I'm fond of when we're talking about what is prohibited uh, for Christians or, uh, is to go to the Bible. And, and I think that in the Bible we see enough times where wine is either described as good or mixing wine with water is described as bad. Uh, to to draw a conclusion that um, that alcohol in itself is not bad. Jesus turned water into wine. That was his first miracle. Um, we see we see Proverbs thirty one. Go read the whole thing. It says give uh, give a strong give drink to those who are in need, lest they forget their misery. Like we see over and over again this idea of uh, wine in itself not being bad. Well. There is there is a pushback to this. Um, people will say stuff like it will affect your Christian witness, and uh, you know you you shouldn't drink because you might go over the edge. And I understand where they're coming from. It, in some circumstances, it'd be completely wrong for people to drink. Like I would say, if a pastor is a pastor at a church and his congregation is mostly against alcohol, he shouldn't be drinking. Um, if you're gonna if you're going to drink to excess you shouldn't be drinking um, And I understand the pushback they get for this, but all the pushback we see is um, practical pushback and the only thing that I wish when people yeah. Talked about alcohol was they would say this is what the Bible says about alcohol, but this is practically how I'm gonna handle it so that I can lead people to Christ so that I can be safe so I can lead my family but we should admit that the Bible seems to be very pro-wine, just anti-drunkenness.
2: No, see, it's very pro-grape juice. So all the bad <laughs> ones are talking about wine. All uh, the good ones are just talking about grape juice. And that's how you actually eat like a Puerto Rican.
1: <laughs> so, uh, and also a Baptist, <laughs> to an extent. That's, that's how we do. That's how, yeah. that's how we roll. So. That, that's,
0: that's how we do, absolutely. I, I would love, though. I would love someone in the review to ask the question about grape juice at communion because I feel like that would be a really fun topic to
2: have.
1: Oh, I definitely... I'll get my opinion on that real quick. I
2: think it's wrong that we use grape juice. I think it should be wine. Because
1: yeah. that's what the Bible says. <laughs> so, but how do we handle that? Do we like the Lutherans where we have sort of like the, the, the wine... And then just little cups of water in case you are really in, in struggling with your alcoholism and you're in a 12-step program. you like a little shot of
0: water. This is... Hey, you answer that, Graham. And I'll, I'll give my, my quick opinion. And hopefully this will spark yeah. something in the review the, this
2: week. The, the water transubstantiates into one, right? So it's, <laughs>
1: it's really fun. <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah. Uh... lutheran long enough to to have a conversation about uh communion so i really want to know what they think about that because i know they have sort of like wine and water or if anyone's struggling with alcoholism but i just want to shoot out my opinion about this topic really quick about uh, you know alcohol I, i think all three of us grew up in uh have, I'm just assuming all three of us grew up in heavily prohibitionist uh, context, am I right?
0: Welcome to Alabama.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, North Carolina said, I mean, when I grew up, most of our counties were dry counties, which means there was nothing available. We still can't even buy it on Sundays, or at least until after lunch, so you got to wait until the to get out of church before you
1: can start drinking. certain context where i think it wouldn't uh be correct or it wouldn't be appropriate uh but i have a friend and a a pastor who who explained the concept of moderation and grace to me like this and it's when i sort of started changing my view and, and being a little bit more open about it and it's that uh grace uh sometimes we hold on to handrails as a sort of way of trusting our own understanding uh, above grace. Whereas uh, a moderationist uh, uh, stance or point of view would actually tell you that you have to trust God's grace to show you what moderation is. Because moderation for Graham could be uh, six, uh, having six uh, beverages. Moderation for me could be having one beverage. Moderation for JR could be having none because he knows Will be a stumbling block for him, in a sense. So it's just starting to not trust our own understanding and starting to trust the conviction of the spirit in each and every context, and in the way that grace works. So that's sort of my conviction. I I started my my path to moderationism with John Piper. It him a lot. Because he said, you know, he's okay with it, but he doesn't participate in it because he has an addictive personality. So, mm-hmm. if you're going to be a moderationist and you have an addictive personality, you should have the maturity to say, you know what, I'm abstaining because of X, Y, Z. Uh, but I'm not judging anybody because they do participate. In
2: it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that was one of the questions that was actually posed in in that group is. Um, So basically, if you're saying that someone uh, says that abstaining is a a, um, bad thing, are they a heterodox view? And that's not a heterodox view to say, it's fine, but I'm going to abstain. What is a a heterodox view is saying, it's not fine for anyone. It's not a sin, but no one should do it. That's imposing
0: something that is not scriptural on other people. Yeah. Yes, and and I think we would say everyone on the mic cast that drunkenness is a sin. Like we are not promoting what like we would never promote: drunkenness or drunk driving or or drinking to uh, to when you're you know you're enabled to do something. But uh, we are also saying that when we take the scriptures, we should look at the scriptures um as as true and as as infallible. And the scriptures point to point to time and time again, um, wine being a good thing. It's so good that Jesus had it with his disciples. Like he could have had water, I guess.
2: Well, <laughs> well, hey, John John the Baptist was actually a better person than Jesus, according to some.
1: So <laughs> Yeah, John the Baptist was thanks.
0: Yes, he came
1: into a world not eating and
2: drinking. Yeah, and again, I'm not going to remember the exact numbers, but I'm going to throw them out there anyway, and then someone can correct me later, but they're roughly accurate. I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of um, drunkenness, drinking in general, um, all-inclusive, anytime it talks about alcohol or just drinking in general, um, is... Somewhere in the neighborhood of about 270 verses, um, and if you break it down into uh, what Scripture says is good about it, what Scripture says is bad about it, and what Scripture is kind of neutral-ish on it, um, then it breaks down to about it's about 60% uh, positive, about 30% negative, and about 10% um, in the uh, neutral. So Scripture, for the most part. Is act, talks actually positive about drinking, like, you know, when, when Paul says, if you have a stomach ache, to drink wine, um, things like that. Um, or when Scripture talks about um, it will be at a feast or something like that, it's not talking about grape juice, it's talking about wine. And um, so when we keep that in mind, we're, we're really creating, and we try and say that things are, uh, that we should abstain, that's really only a, a that's only. I think it's only about 150 years old, anyway. Um, until then, I mean, that's that's what the majority of people drink until um, better things were made, things that we could actually drink uh, normally. Um, but also, yeah, that's just a only in the past 150 years has it ever, it's it, it's ever been a thing. It's more of a an American thing than anywhere else.
1: Yeah, I, I remember going to Spain on a mission trip and seeing pastures have a little bit of wine with their their lunch, it was a little bit shocking to me, but uh, speaking about the whole stomachache thing, I should have some for a stomachache that I'm feeling right now, so before we leave, uh, we want to just get to one last topic, and I don't want to toot my own horn or anything, but I did post... Please don't with that stomachache. Yeah, I should, but... (laughs) I posted something about weird church customs and when I was in Chicago this summer, I sort of became aware of the fact that here on the island, I don't know about the state, but here, weird tradition, since we are credo-baptists only in our communion, uh, we do however give children and those that were baptized as children the chance to participate in communion with a grape not the bread because uh, apparently the grape has both the juice and the stiffness of bread i guess but it's not actually like you're absorbing the pre blood of jesus and something that sort of feels like the body of christ but you're not actually participating in communion so I guess next time you're at our church And you're, you feel like you're not worthy uh, Of communion Then go ahead and grab a grape That's
2: genius I don't know why anybody hadn't, hadn't thought about that before We can just smash it all into one We can get rid of those nasty Stale, I don't even Belly button lints that we pass out right now Because those things are horrible uh, And we can Make people grapes
0: I am uh I'm typically against how we do communion in uh, uh local churches. I, I think I think it should be a meal. I think I think it should be I think it should be celebration. I think it should be understanding Jesus' death on our cross. But most of the time it is uh, making sure the deacons fold uh fold the the cloth together right and we pass it out right. Uh I like come on. It's the Lord's Supper, isn't it isn't the Lord's pre meal. Like let let's have fun with it guys.
2: Yeah. I would actually say, I agree with you on that. Um, I think it would be great if, yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's for the local church and I think it's even more for, um, the local small group within a church, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. that's it really if a group of believers gathering together, um, should be the primary means of which we do the Lord's supper. Um, that's just my opinion. Um, because that's what I see in Scripture, and I'm not saying it's it should be a hard and fast rule. But I think it would mean a, we we try and make it mean a lot more by only doing it quarterly, and I think that's silly. Um, I think that we should, if we should gather as fellow believers uh, with each other, and make it a full meal, and make that full meal about worshiping Christ. That would be a, a much better option. But of course, you know, we can't fit that into our busy schedule. So here's your cracker and shot glass.
1: I mean plastic cuppy. Plastic cup with grape juice. Oh, my grape juice. Hold oh my grape juice. <laughs> so guys, what other weird traditions have you encountered in your long Christian walks? Of course we already discussed one last uh, the last two two weeks ago. So this week what's your weird Christian tradition? Gerard, I'll let you go first with that one.
0: Okay. At the church that I'm attending now, Gentilly Baptist. We, uh, at the end of every service, we hold hands and we sing the song, Family of God. I'm so glad I'm a part. But on the very last stanza, we all lift our hands. Uh, My favorite thing to do when we lift our hands is I look at all the new people because they do not know it's coming. It is amazing. It is the weirdest church tradition I've ever been a part of but I love it. Like, we're gonna hold hands, and for some reason, on the last stanza, boom, raise it, and everyone's freaked out, and that's probably why we don't have many repeat guests.
1: <laughs> oh gosh, I can just imagine at that very moment that you're lifting your hands up, some dude with very bad BO. <laughs> yeah, I'll
0: well, even warn people. Point.
1: That's actually JR. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he's been preaching and he, he, he sweat through uh, his sport coat and I don't know how non reformed people uh, wear but it's normally a beige sport coat he sweat he sweat through the whole thing and now he is lifting his hands next to a person that is at church for the first time and they are slain in the spirit by the owner
0: oh there my gosh they, they hit the ground it's like they came to a fire tunnel
1: yeah, the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> How about you, Graham? How about you? What 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 weird thing have you encountered in a service? I mean, you're going to a Baptist megachurch, which seems like an oxymoron. But speak speak to us about what weird thing you've seen in, in either Summit or or a church that you went to before. There. Um, honestly, there's not really many weird things
2: at Summit, other than um, we've been getting more. southern black people in our church which is awesome and they praise way better than white people and I just like watching the white people freak out as you know yeah. hearing people respond back to the preacher are you know, like you ain't supposed to do that like it's it's okay little white lady it's alright
1: <laughs> you're, you're not a pretty man yeah well I can I can tell one weird custom I saw uh, when we were talking about chat is that uh, apparently you guys have Saturday night service, also? We do. Yeah, you are actually full on Sabbatarian, you little new covenant theology demon. <laughs> I do what I can. Oh,
0: oh. Yeah, you... I have another one. Don't tell
2: me, you're... Go for it.
0: Uh, Louis, Louis, Louise, Lua uh, knows about this because he's been Pentecostal before, but uh, when I was a youth minister, uh, most of my kids have never been to a Pentecostal church, but if you go to enough Pentecostal churches, you have one lady there that brings like a marching band flag during worship and waves it around. It's crazy.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> I, I was, actually, 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 we don't, our, my current church, uh, I go to a non-denom church. Uh, we have the whole dancing around twirling team and there's guys on the dance team. There, there's 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 dudes, but the dudes uh, twirl flags. Yeah. And one of the flag twirlers is actually uh, a kid from a local high school who is a uh, who has a scholarship for discus throwing. So he is incredibly uh, fast with the flags, and at one point, the flag flew through the church and hit an old lady in the head. Oh. poor lady had a bump mid-service she was pra- she was in praise mode she had her eyes closed hands up and out of nowhere she is hit by a solid flag
2: and her name was irma and that's exactly what those
1: guys prophesied against <laughs> earlier <laughs> <laughs> and so the podcast comes full circle and i think that that's gonna be enough tonight uh We want to apologize because we didn't do one last week, Uh, but I was sort of uh, incapacitated with the entire category five hurricane and stuff. He was Schrodinger's Puerto Rican. We didn't know if he was dead or alive. (laughs) Yeah, I was both. I was both, actually. Yeah, I was both. I was dead for about 23 minutes. I'm gonna write a memoir, get into that sweet, sweet LifeWay money. And And there's a topic for next week. (laughs) 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 there's one Uh, so uh, podcast has come full circle you can join us next time uh, as the hot podcast says uh, same baptist time same baptist uh, hour and we sign off guys and say farewell Rob Bell farewell Rob Bell farewell farewell